This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. And whether you're in the room with us or online, we're thrilled that you're spending part of your Sunday with us. Um, before we get started, I got a, a, one quick announcement for you. So we have had a, a new staff member added at Christian Chapel. Um, Andrew Squantz has joined us as our full-time media director. We're thrilled with that. He's hiding there in the back. So if y'all want to turn around and wave at him, if you're watching online, he's the reason uh, that all of that is possible and that the great team that work with him. But we're, we're really, really excited for that. Um, he's, he finished up his time at ORU and has now joined us effective, finished Friday at ORU and started yesterday for us. So uh, we're, we're thrilled to have him here. I also want to echo what Amy said of thanks to Blake, four years as an intern. It's been... Uh, it's been fun. He graduated yesterday. He's getting married in about a month. He's, I mean, just real life is coming hard and fast. So uh, yeah, we're, we're excited for that as well and thankful for him. Hey, today we are in the middle of our Lazarus Life series. So if you have been with us, you're, you're familiar with that. If not, the story of Lazarus is in John chapter 11 and 12. It's a story of a man that Jesus knows and loves who gets sick his sisters send word to Jesus, hoping Jesus is going to come heal him. Jesus says, hey, don't worry about it. He's not going to die. And then he dies. Uh, and, and so it seems like the story is over. Jesus shows up, though. He mourns with those who mourn. And then last week where we stopped was Jesus comes to the tomb. He enters into the unclean space and he tells them, roll back the stone. And so the, these next three weeks, today we're going to talk about Jesus knows my name. Next week, we're going to talk about Jesus calls me to action, and then the week after that, we'll talk about what it means to get those grave clothes off. And so, so I've loved all of these messages. Honestly, every week, uh, I, I feel like it's a little more fun even than the previous week, but this next three-week block uh, is, is going to be, I mean, not, not bragging on me, but just from the scriptures, is going to be really, really, really good. So I'd encourage you to do whatever you can to be here, to uh, join us online, invite somebody with you. It's just, it's the really kind of the, the climax of the story, the pinnacle of Jesus's power on display and the difference that it makes in our lives. So, so I hope you'll join us. But today, you know, we've been talking all along about how the, the story of Lazarus is the, the story of the gospel in a nutshell. And today we're going to focus on that one word command that Jesus gives when he stands outside the tomb, Lazarus, right? Some of you are like, come out. No, Lazarus, Lazarus. And we're going to focus on this idea of Jesus knows my name. There are, um, there are a lot of awkward moments that we can have in life, right? Uh, and some of us have more of them than others. Uh, but sometimes we... Um, we you know, make it worse on ourselves because have you ever confidently walked in to a conversation knowing you know the person and calling them the wrong name? Anybody done that? Yeah, Rennie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rennie, what? I mean, he's died, so I can tell this story, right? We used to have a guy, a guy at Christian Chapel. Some of you remember Peter Maroney, one of the sweetest man in the world. He was British. He had a really thick British accent. And the first time he introduced himself to Rennie, he said, I'm Peter. And somehow Rennie heard, I'm Peaches. <laughs> and she thought she was talking to a grown man named Peaches. <laughs> right? Now, in her defense, she, I don't think she actually said it to him. Uh, she held it back, but she came later and was like, is his name Peaches? <laughs> yeah, actually it is. It, uh, 
yeah, go ahead. Just run with that. Call him that. Maybe write him a letter. Um, you know, but, but we've all had that moment where you just, Thursday, I was at a meeting with some other pastors in town and saw a guy that I've met maybe two or three times and uh, introduced him and said, hey, how you doing? And I got the first letter of his name right. And that was it. That was it. Now, I think I kind of mumbled it. And it was a loud room. He didn't have that look, right? Now, now, if you ever do that to me, don't worry about it. I'm not going to be offended. You can call me whatever you want. I'm probably going to answer to it. Um, it's, it's not really a big deal. But the thing I want you to understand this morning is Jesus has never once had that moment with you. He's never looked at you and been like, who are you again? Can, can you come back? Tell me your name. Tell me who you are. Tell me who you, you know. He's not turning to the Holy Spirit and be like, who's this, who's this dude? Like, you're the, you're the one who's down there now. Can you, can you tell me? I haven't been paying attention. Never, ever happens. He always knows you. And so today we're going to talk about what it means for Jesus to know our name. To do that will be in John chapter 11, verses 41 through 43, just this really short little passage. So remember last week we finished the story. Jesus shows up in the cemetery. He tells him to roll back the stone. And it says in verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus. Now Jesus starts, before we talk about how he knows our name, it's important for us to remember that he is extremely powerful. And he begins the process of calling Lazarus out of the grave with this very short two-line prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but if God ever called me to go to a cemetery and told me, hey, I want you to pray a prayer, and then I'm going to raise someone from the dead, I'm going to pray a very long prayer. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to quote every scripture I know. I'm going to probably re-preach some sermons I've preached before. I'm going to claim every promise I can remember. I'm going to remind God over and over and over again, you told me to do this. But Jesus doesn't do any of that. Instead, he just says very simply, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, know, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So we're being reminded that the story of Lazarus is ultimately the story of Jesus. If you go back to John 11, verse 4, it's what Jesus says when he first hears Lazarus is sick and responds, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. His prayer in John eleven forty one and 42 demonstrates his connection to the Father and reminds us that the reason Jesus shows up in the cemetery that day is that the Son of God will be glorified on the earth. That the people will come to understand Jesus is who Martha has confessed that he is, the Son of God, the Messiah who's come into the world. And so his prayer reframes the story in a way that the original audience probably doesn't get and in a way that you and I still kind of miss. What we're supposed to learn from Jesus's prayer is that the greatest miracle of that day is not the resurrection of Jesus, or not the resurrection of Lazarus, but the incarnation of Jesus, right? It's amazing that a dead man is about to walk out of the tomb. It's more amazing that the son of God is standing in the cemetery. They're going to see an incredible display of God's power when Lazarus walks out. But Jesus is trying to point them to an even greater reality of the greatest power is not the power of resurrection. It's the power of the Son of God standing right here with you. 
Now, throughout John's gospel, John has been trying to tell us who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do. And if you go all the way back to the beginning, to John chapter 1, you'll see that John starts his story of Jesus different than the other gospel writers. He doesn't start with the angel's announcement. He doesn't start with the virgin birth. He doesn't start with sweet Jesus swaddled in clothes and lying in a manger. John goes all the way back to the beginning to remind us that Jesus comes as the powerful, creative word of God. He tells us in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In verse 2 and 3, he says he was with God in the beginning, and in him everything was made. Now, these terms are meant to point us back to Genesis chapter 1, when we're told that God spoke and all of the world was created. You see, the word of God in Genesis 1 is the word of God in John 1. It is Jesus Christ himself. John goes on to make it clear for us in John chapter 1, verse 14, when he tells us the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You see, Jesus stands outside of Lazarus's tomb as the infinite, eternal, powerful, creative word of God. The word that spoke and brought all life is now the word that will speak and restore Lazarus's life. And his prayer is, hey, Lord, I know you're going to answer me. I'm only saying this so that they know it too. His prayer is not for his benefit or Lazarus's benefit. It's for our benefit. It's for us to be reminded that Jesus is the word of God. And when he speaks, things change. I mean, think of the Gospels as you read through the stories of Jesus, the miracle stories of Jesus especially, how many of them involve him speaking. Be healed, rise up, be gone, be still. Again and again and again, the power of Jesus' words rests in the fact that he is the word. And that creative power that spoke the world into existence is what stood outside of Lazarus' tomb, and it's the same creative power that stands outside our cemeteries this morning. Whatever you are lacking, Jesus shows up today as the creative, powerful word of God. I mean, that that should really kind of reframe our understanding of what is happening here. Because when the word shows up in your life, anything is possible. When the word shows up and says, hey, not only am I here, but I know you. And I know what you're going through. And I'm about to speak into that situation. His speech is not just to bring you comfort, it's to bring change, it's to bring life. And if he's the God, what John is trying to help us understand here is, look, Jesus has no fear calling Lazarus out of a grave because he's the one who created all of this in the first place. With a word, light came from darkness. With a word, life sprung up. And now that same word stands in front of Lazarus's tomb. And so for you and I today, whatever our issues might be, whatever our cemetery might be, we are to be reminded in the powerful, creative work of God that is present here in Jesus Christ. And to remember, like you you might be going through some big stuff, some serious stuff, but none of it is, is bigger or harder than creating everything out of nothing. Nothing I'm facing is more difficult than calling a dead, decomposing man out of a tomb. If Jesus can handle that, He can handle my bills. If Jesus can handle that, he can handle my teenagers, right? If some of you are like, I don't know. He can, I promise. Yours, not mine. I know he can handle mine. They're they're good kids. Uh, You know, but but you might be like, I don't know. Anything you're dealing with, 
your dead marriage, your terrible job, your disappointment, your heartache, the trauma, the abuse that you went through, whatever you call the cemetery, the tomb, the grave in your life, Jesus stands there as the creative, infinite, eternal, powerful word of God. And when he speaks, he brings life. But he doesn't show up and just speak in very generic ways. He comes up and and in his power, he's also personal. Jesus stands outside of Lazarus' tomb and it says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus. One of of my favorite things that I've learned studying the story of Lazarus over the the past year and a half or so uh, that I, I had never considered before was when Jesus walks into the cemetery as the creative word of God, as the powerful word of God, as the resurrecting word of God, when he walks into a space where there's a lot of dead people, he has to say Lazarus' name before he says, come out. Because if Jesus walks into a cemetery and says, come out, they're all coming out. Every single one of them. And while Mary and Martha are longing for Lazarus to come out, you know there's some other people in the crowd that are like, hey, leave them there. My my dear grandma does not need to come back, right? My mother-in-law, you can leave her there. My dad, you can leave him there. They're just there. Then You shake your head, whatever. You've got family members that you're like, Jesus, I'll see him at the resurrection. It's good enough. Don't bring him back till then. But it just, it never occurred to me if, if Jesus shows up in a cemetery and says, come out, everybody comes out, right? But Lazarus is the only one whose stone has been rolled away. So we can see why it's important for Jesus to make his power personal. He's there for Lazarus. He's not there for everyone else. He's not there for anything else. He is there for Lazarus. And when Jesus calls Lazarus by name, it affirms that he knows him. Right? For the crowd, there were probably those who had wondered, of like, yeah, we know Jesus stopped by Mary and Martha's house one time. We know when Lazarus got sick that Mary and Martha kept saying, it's okay, Jesus will come. It's okay, Jesus will make a difference. And then when Lazarus dies, maybe there are those in the community who decide, yeah, he really didn't know Jesus. And it's like, do you, do you have that friend in your life who's constantly telling you all the famous or influential people they know? And by know them, they mean they follow them on social media? Yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, I can, I can reach out to him. You know, but, it, but if they do, they don't get a response. Maybe this is some of the feeling of Lazarus's friends and family. Man, maybe, maybe Lazarus knew Jesus, but Jesus didn't know Lazarus. Maybe he didn't really know who he is. So when Jesus stands outside the tomb, and if they didn't get it from him weeping with Mary and Martha, if they didn't get it through his promise that Lazarus will rise again, in this moment when he calls his name, they know that he knows him. Right? That's, that's that moment when you know somebody, you know their name. And when you know somebody, you know how to pronounce their name. Right? It's, it's graduation weekend at ORU. Graduation weekend is coming soon for all of our high school students, which if you have a difficult to pronounce name means your name's about to get butchered. Right? It's just, it's going to happen. Like in high school, your principal only knows like the top 5% of the students, the National Merit Scholars, the good athletes, all of that kind of stuff. And, and then the other 5% they know are the kids who are just in trouble all the time. So, so if your principal knows your name in high school, you were either really successful or you got suspended a lot. Those are kind of, you know, and, and then for the rest of us, we're just in that middle 90% and we're just praying that my name's easy enough that they don't butcher. But some of you know, you got easy names. They still get butchered, right? Whitley, our intern, she got called Whitney yesterday. 
It says right on there, Whitley. Okay, Whitney, college graduate. Like, my last name is Dow, D-O-W. The Dow Jones, Dow Chemical. And all my life, I've been called Dowell. Like, why are you putting an L on the end of my name? It's three letters. It's there in front of you. Who reads stuff and adds letters to the end? I get called Doe. Chris Doe? I'm like, no, no, actually. Dow, D-O, sound it out. Dow, D-O-W, right? But you know who doesn't do that? My family. They know how to pronounce my name. My friends, they know how to pronounce my name. Jesus does not have that moment at Lazarus' tomb. Like, hey, Martha, how do I say his name again? Is it Lazarus? <laughs> Lazarus? What? Did you guys have those weird parents who spelled something and then pronounced it a totally different way? No? He doesn't have that. What's he do? He knows him, so he just says, Lazarus. When you say someone's name, it's a sign that you know them. And when someone says your name, it helps you feel known, it helps you feel loved, and it helps you feel cared about. Right? The, the people who really know you, they love you. At, at Christian Chapel, we, uh, we have this ministry called Royal Family Kids. And with Royal Family Kids, we do a, a free week of camp for kids who are in foster care, a mentoring club that runs throughout the year. And one of the, the points of emphasis with Royal Family Kids is that every child will be called by their name. So they wear a name tag. When they show up at camp, this is how they're met. So they, they roll in on the buses, 7 to 11-year-olds, and outside the bus they see their counselors for the week waiting, and they've got a poster board with their name written on it. And underneath that, it's got the meaning of their name. And then there's a scripture attached to it. So from the moment they step off the bus, they see someone waiting for them, and they know that person's expecting me. That person's waiting for me. And then when they take them back to their cabin, they see a bed that has their name on it. All through the week, every time they do a craft, every time they do anything, their name is being written on it. Why? Because when somebody knows your name, you know that you're known, you know that you're loved, and you know that you're welcome. Right? And, and this is, is what Lazarus' story is trying to teach us here, that your name is worth knowing. Your name is worth knowing to Jesus. And for, for some of us, that's, that's hard to believe because our whole life, we feel like we've been unseen, we've been overlooked, we've been forgotten about. Your family might know your name, but that's about it. Or you, even maybe you've worked at the same place for years, and there are still people who call you buddy. It's like, that is not my name. Some of you, you're finishing college, and for four years, you've lived in the same dorm with some of the same people on your floor, and they still mess your name up all the time. And what happens is if you go through life and you're constantly, hey, buddy, hey, friend, hey, whatever, hey, sis, hey, eventually you start to kind of believe some of these lies of, man, maybe I don't really matter. Maybe I'm not really significant. Like if, if I'm not known in, by my own neighbors, if I'm not known in my own church, if I'm not known at the school that I've went to my entire life, if I'm not known at the company I've worked at for years, and I walk around with a name tag on, and they still don't know my name. Like, if, if you kind of have those experiences, eventually the enemy's going to start attacking that weakness and telling you, see, man, they, not only do they not care about you, they don't even want to put the time in to learn your name. You don't matter. You're not significant. You're overlooked. Right? The, the same thing that maybe some of Lazarus's family or friends were thinking of, man, we thought Jesus knew him, but maybe not. 
Because things did not turn out how Jesus said they were going to turn out. Now, Lazarus is dead. And so when Jesus shows up and speaks Lazarus' name, it's a reminder to everyone of, yes, he knew him. Yes, he loves him. Yes, he is here with the planet. And the same thing happens for you and me. When Jesus speaks our name, it should fill us with confidence. We should know, I'm known, I matter, and I'm going to be confident to do whatever God has called me to do. See, it doesn't matter if your boss knows your name. It doesn't matter if your teachers know your name. It doesn't matter if your name gets called in certain places or to do certain things. Your entire worth is found in your identity as the son or the daughter of God. And if the creative word that spoke the world into existence knows you, then it doesn't matter who else knows you. It doesn't matter what they call you. All that matters is what he says and what he calls you to do. And when Jesus calls me by name, it means, okay, I know. Now I matter. No matter what anyone else says, I matter because he knows me. And it also means I can walk with confidence into whatever he lays out before me. And what you're going to find, and we'll get into this more next week, because Lazarus, he comes, he's brought back to life, but then there's an immediate come out. There's an immediate path of obedience laid out before him. And for us, when Jesus calls us to life, he usually calls us into new spaces to do new things. And he will often call us into spaces and places that are beyond our natural ability. And in those moments, again, the enemy's going to come and he's going to attack our insecurities. He's going to attack our fears and tell us, you don't belong here. Who do you think you are? Just stay home where five people know you don't take the risk of being unknown in this new realm. But we're going to remember, no, 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 he knows me. He knows me and he called me. So I will step into this with confidence, even if the whole world says I don't belong here. In, in February of 2020, back before the world fell off a cliff. Do you remember February of 2020? It was a good month. It was a really good month. I mean, it feels like 10 years ago, but it was a good month. In, in February of 2020, I got a, an invitation to go speak at ORU in their chapel. And I loved it. A lot of fun. I was really excited. But have you ever had that thing where somebody calls and they give you an opportunity and your immediate response is, yes, I can't wait. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, what did I just get into? So, um, you know, they gave me about two weeks notice. And so over that two weeks, I, you know, I started praying, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to preach about? And then I, I started doing a little research too. Of, well, I, I guess I should probably look back at the last couple months of chapel speakers that they've had at ORU to make sure, because I don't want to show up and preach the sermon that some guy preached two weeks before I came, and everyone else is like, well, that guy did better. This is like clearly the B team that showed up today, and <laughs> he stole that guy's message and didn't even do as good of a job, right? So, so, so here's the thing. If, if you ever get that invite, or, or maybe it's an invite somewhere else, um, do yourself a favor. Don't go look through the archive, because I immediately, I started looking back through the previous year or so, and I had that Sesame Street moment. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. And that thing was me. Because I read through names, I'm like, I know him. I know her. I've read his books. I've listened to her at conferences. I've been, and then, then what didn't help, actually, I, yeah, I saw Tim Hughes come in. So Tim was my dentist last February. So going to see Tim two days before I'm preaching at ORU, and he's being really nice and encouraging. He's like, hey, I heard you going, that's awesome. And he told me, the last time I went to ORU Chapel, do you remember who you told me? I went to hear Reinhard Bonnke speak. 
if you don't know who Reinhard Bonnke is, he's Billy Graham on steroids. <laughs> Reinhard Bonnke is responsible for over 79 million Africans placing their faith in Christ through his massive outdoor evangelistic campaigns. And so my sweet dentist encouraged me. <laughs> hey, Chris, have fun. Last time I was there, Reinhard Bonnke, 79 million. And so you can very much have this space of like, I, I, what have I done, right? I'm just going to try to get in, get out. Like, I, I don't, it's not that I don't want to be remembered. It's just I don't want to get made fun of. And it can kind of come into that, that moment of like, but, but it's somewhere along the way you have to have that talk. And, and for me, it was this, this clear moment of Jesus saying like, look, yeah, they're all better than you. That's fine. According to your standards, right? According to my standards, Yes. According to his standards, hey, on that day, that was my job. So it was just, then, then that's where my confidence lies. Not my talent, not my skill, not in anything I've done, not my education, not in, was 79 million versus 79? I don't know. You know, it's just, it's none of that. It's just got to be it. Jesus knows who I am. Jesus called my name. And Jesus told me to do this. So I'll just do it. It's the same thing for many of you. You might, maybe God, you prayed for a kid and God gave you seven. And you're thinking, well, what do we do? Well, he called your name and he put you in that spot. Right? Maybe God has blessed your business more than you ever could have imagined and you're having that thought of, I don't know. Maybe God has called you to start something new and you're thinking, this is completely beyond me. And you might be 100% right and yet you can still stand and work and serve with confidence because the God who knows your name is the God who placed you in that position. So you're just going to do it. Now, it, it, what that means is no stage is too big, but it also means no stage is too small. Because if Jesus knows my name, he, he calls me at times to serve in some obscure places. And he calls me to go and, and do things that, that I might think are beneath me. But again, he knows me and he called me. Parents, you've had that, that experience at some point in your life where you might have built your career, you might have achieved certain things on your own. But then as your kids grow up and you go to their school, nobody cares about what you've done. You're simply known as the father of that child. Like there are worlds I go into to serve, and they're like, "Oh, you're Connor's dad, you're Corbin's dad, you're Audrey's dad," and, and I'm like, "Yeah, but I've done some other things too." <laughs> right? I'm happy to volunteer, but I see your organization is in disarray. Maybe I shouldn't be cleaning the toilets. Maybe I should be telling everyone what to do. I've got some experience there. But in those moments, again, I'm remembering God knows me. He told me to be here. He told me to do this. So I, it can't be too big, but it also can't be too small. So wherever he calls me, whatever he calls me to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it with confidence. And then the, the last thing we see here when Jesus calls Lazarus' name is it says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus. And Jesus is going to make sure that you know that he knows your name. Sometimes we, we might have this fear of like, but what if I miss him? What if he's calling my name and I, and I miss it? Well, here, here let, me, let me just kind of solve that for you. You might choose to ignore him, but you will not miss him. He will speak to you in personal and powerful ways over and over and over again. When Jesus stands before Lazarus' grave, he doesn't have to yell, but he does. 
Jesus called out in a loud voice. It really fits in with what we looked at a couple weeks ago. When he saw them weeping, he was deeply moved and troubled. What Jesus felt on the inside came out in his voice. He started talking a little louder. Right? He, I've got a buddy in, in Oklahoma City that's a pastor, and he has this like beautiful, deep, baritone voice. I mean, just he gets up, and you just think, I, man, like that, that is what preachers should sound like. Right? Just, a, just this, this booming kind of goes through it. And so when I hear Jesus calling Lazarus out in a loud voice, I hear Herbert Cooper's voice in Oklahoma City, and it's just that very deep, Lazarus, Lazarus. Right? It, it is. Some of you are like, Carmen, I remember the song. That's not, no, 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 no. Others are like, who's Carmen? Don't worry about it. Go down that rabbit trail later. Um, anyway, so, but I hear Herbert's voice. Lazarus, now I, I don't have that voice, right? I've got the voice that when I get excited, it gets high. That's not like, Lazarus! Come out! That's not it. I don't think, maybe Jesus did. I don't know. I, I think he had that deep baritone. And there was a smoothness to it, but there was power behind it. And here's what we know. Jesus doesn't have to shout. He could have whispered Lazarus' name. But he chose to. Why? And I think, again, I think it's a demonstration of his love for Lazarus. And it's making sure, not just that Lazarus hears his name. It's making sure everybody around, those who've gathered close and those who are still standing on the edge of the cemetery, know Jesus knew that man. And he's calling him by name. And so in our life, Jesus, he's going to call your name, and he's going to do it in ways that you hear, in ways that you understand. He's going to call your name when you read the scriptures. He's going to call your name through the songs that we sing together on a Sunday morning. He's going to call your name through conversations you have with others where you're thinking, I don't know if the Lord sees me, if he hears me, if he knows me. He's going to call your name and assure you that he does. He's going to speak to you through your circumstances, through your situations. He's going to speak through your successes, through your failures. Again and again and again and again, he's going to call your name. And you can choose to ignore him, but you will not accidentally miss him. In a loud voice, he calls out, Lazarus. So Jesus is powerful. Jesus is personal. And then the, the last thing we see here is when Jesus speaks, it brings life. You know, we typically read this passage as, as one command. Lazarus, come out. It's all one thing. But there are actually two commands that are given here. When he speaks his name, Lazarus, is when life returns. Lazarus is the John 11 equivalent of let there be light. Right, that, that at the moment the words come out of Jesus' mouth, they not only go across the cemetery into the tomb and through the burial clothes, but in some way they transcend the spaces of eternity and Lazarus' soul is reconnected with his body. And before that breath that Jesus takes between Lazarus and come out, in that space Lazarus is fully alive. His heart has started pumping. His mind is alert. His eyes have opened. Right? His body has rewarmed. The neurons are firing. He's got to have that moment of like, oh my goodness. What just happened? In a moment, at a word, life comes back. So what, what does this mean for us? It means life doesn't come when your circumstances change. Life comes when Jesus speaks your name. When he sees you and calls you out, that's the moment of, 
okay, here we go. I'm here. Now for Lazarus, he is fully alive, laying in the tomb and buried. His circumstances have not changed, but who he is is completely different. From the outside, he still looks like a dead man. He smells like a dead man. He's acting like a dead man. He's in the place where dead men belong, but he is 100% fully alive. Just as alive as anyone on the outside of the tomb, but nothing else has changed for him yet in that moment. It's a great reminder to us because sometimes I think we have this idea of, I'm not fully alive until everything is how I want it to be. But what we're learning from Lazarus' story is the moment Jesus speaks your name, the fullness of life returns. And so your experience of life has nothing to do with your current circumstances and everything to do with the presence of Jesus Christ in those circumstances. So Lazarus looks like a dead man, but he's not a dead man. He smells like a dead man, but he's not a dead man. He's in the place of the dead, but he is fully 100% alive. And the same might be true for you. You might be battling addiction, and this morning Jesus comes and he speaks your name. The moment he speaks your name, life returns. It doesn't necessarily mean every part of that addiction falls away and you never have to deal with it again. What it means is right there in the middle of your addiction, you are alive. Now, there might be a process, there should be a process of freedom, of coming out of that place of addiction. There might be a process of detox. There might be a process of rehab and recovery. There might be a process of accountability. There might be a process of new habits and new ways of living. But life doesn't come when you complete that process. Life comes when Jesus calls your name. And all along the way, the enemy's going to tell you you're not alive because you're still battling. You're not alive because you're still struggling. You're not alive because you messed up again. But we are standing as those who are known by Jesus. And when he knows us and speaks to us, life returns. So it could be addiction. It could be your marriage. Things are, are busted and broken right now. They are not going well. And today you hear Jesus speaking your name and life is returning to your marriage. But it's not a magic wand. It doesn't mean everything's fine. It doesn't mean the years of of bad communication habits. It doesn't mean the past abuses or past traumas suddenly just fall away. But it means right here in the middle of the mess, I'm alive. And because I'm alive, now I can walk the path of life in this marriage. Now we can be reconnected. Now we can have the hard conversations. Now we can go to the counselor. But when we're doing it, there's hope because we're not now fighting, arguing, discussing from a place of death, but from a position of life. If you're skeptical about Jesus, if you're skeptical about, I don't don't know about the resurrection, I don't know about the divinity of Christ, I don't know about any of this, there still comes that moment where Jesus speaks your name. And something deep inside your heart longs to accept it, but you've still got doubts and you've still got questions and you've still got concerns. Look, faith doesn't come when all of those things are resolved. Faith comes in the moment where you know this is something different and I believe he's calling my name. And there's time to work through the doubts and there's time to work through the concerns, but in that moment, you're alive. I don't know what your tomb, what your cemetery might be today, but I know Jesus is standing outside of it and he's calling your name. And because he's calling your name, life has returned in that space. We're going to finish today by receiving communion together. As we do, it's a a reminder to us that our name is worth knowing. 
There, there is absolutely no better proof of the power and the presence of Jesus than what we hold in our hands this morning. He came not just to speak Lazarus' name, but he came to die the death that we all should die, to be raised to life, to the new life we can be raised in, so that we would all know once and for all he has the power to stand outside every grave, every cemetery, every hard situation, and he knows our name. When he went to the cross, he did it for you. He did it for me. He did it to solve our sin problem and lead us into a new experience of life. And so this morning, as we receive communion together, we're not just receiving it as something Jesus did for everyone, but we're receiving this this morning as something Jesus did for me. He died for me. He rose again for me because he knows my name, because he knows my situation, because he knows my need. He has come. And now that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and reminds me, you are seen, you are known, you are loved. And as you hold that bread and cup, what, what I want you to remember is it really in this moment does not matter at all what other people think about you or say about you. It doesn't matter how seen or unseen you feel. The God of the universe knows your name and sent his son to die for you. And so as we take the bread and the cup this morning, we're remembering Jesus is powerful. He overcame death. He overcame sin. He overcame hell for us. But we're also remembering Jesus is personal. He showed up and did that just for me. He did it just for you. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, we're going to pray a, a quick prayer. Lord, we come and we invite you into every aspect of our heart. Lord, today we roll back the stone of hurt. We roll back the stone of pain. We roll back everything that we think keeps you out of our life. And today we come, Lord, and we ask that you would help us to hear you calling our name. And as you call it, Lord, may you bring life. May you restore us. May you renew us. Lord, as you call our name, may you bring life in the middle of addiction. May you bring life in the middle of trauma. May you bring life in the middle of disappointment, in the middle of depression, in the middle of sorrow and heartache. Jesus, we believe that you can do this because you have done it. Through your broken body, your poured out blood, you have become the way we experience forgiveness of sins and the resurrection and life. So, Lord, we come individually and we ask that you would forgive us today. That you would cleanse our hearts and our minds. That you would come in and take your place as our Savior and our King. Lord, we surrender to you, to your power and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You take the bread with me. in the cup. As you finish, will you stand with us if you're able to? The band's going to lead us in a final song this morning, reminding us of our identity in Christ. But as they do, I really want to encourage you, if this morning you just, you need to know that God knows your name. As we sing this last song, will you do me a favor and head out those back doors to your left? We've got a, a prayer room full of people waiting to celebrate with you that Jesus sees you and knows you. 
So maybe you're going and saying, hey, will you pray with me? I need to start that relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're going just carrying some really heavy weights and needing to know that he's with you. Whatever the season or situation, don't be afraid. Don't let the the unknown keep you where you are. But walk back with confidence, knowing Jesus sees you, he knows you, he loves you, he has brought you here to be assured that he knows your name and he has a plan. So if you'd like someone to join you in those prayers or any others, as we sing, if you'll head out the back doors and to your left, if you're online, you can do that at christianchapel.com slash prayer. The rest of us, we're going to spend these, these last few minutes together just building our faith and being encouraged of who God says we are. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.